Hi, welcome to the Cancer in Christ podcast, episode 5, Radiation and Chemotherapy. I'm your host, Layla Ireland, and I'm going to be talking about what it was like going through radiotherapy and chemotherapy. So, (laughs) my first radiation appointment after the fitting for the mask was was really strange in that I felt like I was really in a daze and it seemed so soon after my brain surgery, like the second week, I believe. And I was just in a daze. I was aware of everything. Uh, again, I was on that Keppra, which made me feel very, very relaxed and very wobbly at the same time. I was just kind of going along with everything. You know, I remember sitting in the waiting room and looking at the pictures on the wall, thinking to myself, how come they don't have any pictures of an ocean or or nature or something? It was just a picture, like a huge picture with all the doctors and technicians and I just thought to myself you know it should be should be something more I don't know soothing I noticed the mints on the counter uh, the magazines on the table just everything I wasn't signing the paperwork or anything my husband did all of that for some reason I mean I couldn't even write my name I wouldn't say that I felt weak necessarily. I just, I didn't feel like I had coordination or, you know, like I needed to be studied or if I walked, like I I needed to hold on to something or someone or I was just really, really appreciative that he was filling out all the paperwork and things like that. So now we're going to the radiation room. I get in a little dressing room. I'm, you know, sitting there and just waiting to be called. There were two other women in there that had just finished radiation, and I had noticed really, really bad burns on the back of one woman. And she was talking to the other one about how her burns really hurt, and she wished there was something, you know, that would help. And the other woman was saying, well, there's a lotion that you can use, but you're supposed to use it before the radiation. So I'm thinking in my head, oh no, (laughs) is this radiation going to burn me? You know, but I was just sitting there and waiting. And then the technician came to get me and her name was Tiffany. She was really nice. She is also the one that stuck that hot mold mask on my head and face. But now I had the mask. So uh, laying down, it was just like a hard plastic mask that reminded me of the predator head, (laughs) this mask. And the scariest thing about it was that, I mean, it did look scary, Like if you just held it, you know, it looked like um, a mesh, uh, like hard plastic mesh net or something like that. And it was marked with little 
like X's where they were going to shoot the beams of the radiation from my head. So you're supposed to lay really still and then they stick that mask on you and then they bolt it down and you cannot move. Your head cannot move at all. It's really a strange sensation knowing that, you know, your body's free, but your head's locked down to this table during the entire procedure. So it wasn't that bad. I mean, I, I closed my eyes and I could, you know, hear the the sound of what I'm assuming were the radiation beams. And I had to do this every day. It wasn't that bad. I was told that, you know, I could go bald and I was expecting like burns or something. There was another woman whose husband was in there complaining that his wife had burns on her face something about his insurance or her insurance would not cover any kind of medication or anything like that. So that was stressful, just in the sense, you know, I mean, I was stressed for them. At the same time, I'm wondering what to expect for me. But that first day went okay. The next day, I had been scratching the back of my head, which was still quite bald, <laughs> my husband noticed that there was a staple still in my head, which is not a good thing. You're not supposed to have any kind of metal or anything. That really freaked me out that the doctor left a staple in and nobody noticed it. So they told me not to worry about it. You know, they took the staple out. I just went through wearing that like predator mask and that radiation for the next week, week or so, every single day. And on my last day, I was presented with a certificate that said I had completed radiation therapy. Everybody was really, really nice to me. My oncologist called on the very day that I completed it and wanted me to get to the cancer center to see him. And I was so tired. I mean, just having finished all that radiation, I just wanted to go home and go to sleep. But I went to the cancer clinic. He said he wanted to start me on chemotherapy that day. He didn't want to wait any longer. I just, you know, okay, if you say so. I didn't have a port at this time. So it was really hard for them to find a vein to get the chemo going. I have really, really tiny veins. And according to one technician who's always using a sonogram machine to get the needle in whenever I do the CAT scans, my veins are very deep, so you can't really see them. And it was very painful that jabbing and just feeling like a pincushion. I was in a little room on a recliner and they finally got my my vein started the pre-meds, one of which is Benadryl and is supposed to make you very tired. I had carboplatin, Avastin, uh, hydration, and I think there was one other bag I was supposed to take, but it any matter, it was like four, four hours. I just remember feeling really 
tired from the Benadryl and I guess the whole day of radiation. And I just looked at my husband across the room and I felt so bad for him that he was going to be just sitting in a chair staring at me for the next, you know, three to five hours. And uh, I just said to him, well, this is the good stuff, right? And he said, yeah, it's a good stuff. That was the mindset that I had at that time. I look back on that day. I remember having said that and just feeling in my mind, okay, this is the good stuff. Even though I know it's very toxic stuff and <laughs> I doubt anyone would agree that, you know, chemo is good stuff, but I had the mindset that I was there to take all of this chemotherapy and it was going to, you know, just kill this pestilence that just lingering in, in my lung at the time. And, and it was a good thing. So that night I was expecting to feel very horrible, but I, I just felt nauseated, of course, tired. And I had to go in the next day for a vitamin B 12 shot, Navasta, I think it's called. It's some kind of white cell booster. They give you the shots in the back of your, your arm. Oh my gosh, the vitamin B12 was like an energy booster for sure. I felt, I was still tired, but I felt totally <laughs> alert and awake and everything. Um, however, I did have chest pains when I got back home. I wanted to know if I could take ibuprofen because during this time, even though I'd already had my first chemo treatment and everything, I didn't have any of the things that they give people such as the medication for nausea or things you're supposed to take, you know, that would help you with all the symptoms of, of the chemotherapy because I didn't have any insurance or anything. So I didn't have any of that. And I just knew that I was having this writhing chest pain. It was in my chest and my back. It felt like, I mean, I just couldn't sit still. And I wanted to know if I could take ibuprofen. So I called in the clinic and asked them. And of course, my doctor's instructions were go immediately to the emergency room because he was worried I would be having a heart attack or something like that. I went... All of the EKGs were fine. They did x-rays. They found a little nodule, which they thought might be a blood clot in my lung. So I was there for hours. Praise Jesus. <laughs> it, it wasn't a blood clot. They released me. And I went back home. A few days later, my doctor put me on a pill called Tafinlar which was a nightmare. <laughs> These are supposed to be very, very expensive pills. He told me that he needed to to do pull some strings in order to get them. They were delivered to my door, and I took them. You're supposed to take, I think, two of them. And that night, oh my gosh, my entire face, I woke up coughing like I had asthma, gasping for air, my whole head felt like it was on fire, just coughing. My, I had a fever, everything. I went in to see the doctor, and he said, well, it's fine. It just means it's working. This is a reaction people have. 
he just went on about, you know, just keep taking it. I did. I kept taking this Tafinlar. And a few days later, I had to go back to Pleasant Hill to see my radiologist and my neurosurgeon, Dr. Sussman. And there was another oncologist there, and they all agreed once they learned I was on Tafinlar that I shouldn't be taking it because it's highly toxic. I just, I was so upset at this point. Dr. Sussman had talked to me and she said, you know, I just, I want you to know this is your life and you're fighting for your life. And if you don't want to take something and you know the risks and this and that, you know, you need to take that stand and and don't take what you don't want to take. That really, really helped me because up until that point, I was just kind of going along with everything and anything, you know, if if the doctor, my oncologist wanted me to take something, I would take it because he's doctor, he knows best, right? So it didn't matter that this Tafinlar isn't even for lung cancer. It's actually something they give people, I believe, for skin cancer. These pills were not only do they have me on having a fever where I, my head was red, my face was red. They were tightening my skin. Little things were popping up on my skin, like little moles I didn't have before. My skin was feeling really tight. I was getting bumps on my chest. It looked like chicken skin. And it was just horrible. And But I was doing it because he said it was good. So when she told me this, I thought, you know, she's right. God wouldn't want me just to sit down and say, okay, you know, everyone, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, Lord, but you take care of all this. You know what I mean? He would want me to stand up and, and stand my ground. You know, I mean, God's not the author of confusion. And these pills were like, It didn't make any sense that I was taking them. They were making me feel worse. I never coughed before taking these pills, and suddenly I was coughing. So I was really glad she told me that, and I was determined the next time I went into the cancer center, I was going to tell my doctor, I'm not taking these anymore, and that's exactly what I did, which he disagreed with. And he said, you know, it's like a bank. If you want to have a lot of money, it doesn't matter where you get the money from. You put it in, you put it in, and you just build that account. I really still didn't get his analogy other than saying, to me, I think what he was saying, you know, uh, if you have cancer, just take anything you can grab your hands on, no matter what it's for, you know, what type of cancer it's for, just as long as you get it in there and you know that you're trying everything and anything, regardless of the side effects, in order to get well. I was determined, to, I, I just told him, no, I'm not, you know, I I refuse to take those. So, of course, he had an attitude and got really tight-lipped, and I also informed him that I wanted to try um, medical marijuana, which he immediately said had no, there was no proof it did anybody any good, but I said, you know, my neurologist agrees with me, and I think it would do me good, uh, he filled out, he reluctantly filled out the the form for me to get my medical marijuana, and that was that. So 
he had attitude and I just had to deal with it. You know, I said what I said because I didn't want to take that anymore. And, and I was actually really happy to stop. I stopped taking those. I, I would like to say that my cough had gone, but it hadn't. I don't know if that's from, you know, everything that, if that was like leftover from having been on those pills or, or what it was. I know they're pretty, pretty heavy pills. I think it's like $16,000 for one bottle. I had a couple bottles. I was just really glad not to have to take those anymore and really excited about the medical marijuana, even though (laughs) I never, you know, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) As far as the the weed goes, I, I, I remember going home feeling really happy, really excited and called up a couple different um, places and I got one to deliver. And I remember saying, I want, I really want to make sure that um, it's not really strong stuff. I don't want to, you know, smoke weed that makes me feel too um, ridiculous. Like, like the people on YouTube that do those, I don't know what kind, what they're smoking on there, but they smoke it and then they don't know where they are and they start acting weird. So the the marijuana that I chose with help looking on her website, the website of the dispensary was called Truth. I got that. She she the lady had asked me uh, if I wanted to smoke it through the you know what do you call that the vape to the vaping e vape if I wanted to smoke um, the marijuana through e-vape. And I said, no. And she said, well, can I just ask you why? And I said, well, I stopped smoking cigarettes five years ago and I started on the the vaping, the glyco that I was, you know, I was on the glyco and the nicotine drops. And it wasn't until after, you know, smoking the the e-cigarettes that I had been diagnosed with this. So that's why she, you know, at the time that I was smoking the e-cigarettes, they weren't regulated, you know. So, I mean, I always felt like anybody could have cut that glyco that they sell with anything. I just didn't want to take any chances, at least I wanted the marijuana itself, not some liquid form and some glyco that they're going to cut it with that wasn't even regulated at the time. Um, I believe it is now, but at the time, a couple years ago, it wasn't. So (laughs) that was why. So she gave me some gummies, some marijuana gummies and some free marijuana candy bars along with my order and told me that someone would deliver it. Probably about an hour later, someone actually, after I had emailed or scanned her my prescription and everything, um, an hour later, someone phoned me and he said he was right outside. Did I want to meet him in his car or would I like him to come into the house? And (laughs) I felt so strange, you know, like a drug dealer type of thing. It was really weird. But I, I invited him in, of course, and I got my marijuana and it smelled so strong. And that was the only time that I bought it. I, I never went down and um, I never renewed my prescription or or anything like that because um, I didn't, 
I mean, I like laughing and having a good time and I can usually just, you know, laugh without anything. Just I can make myself laugh if I want to. I just never re redid the prescription. You have to redo it annually or something. I never I never did that. But I did enjoy the the weed smoking it. I didn't think I still have a, a bud left. <laughs> that was it. Just that, you know, one time I never renewed my prescription or or asked for more. But I continued on with my chemotherapy. Um, one thing was really helpful to me in speaking to my uncle, like the first time I'd gotten the chemotherapy, was that he had explained that, you know, for three days, usually you'll feel bad. And then you get another couple weeks for your body to recover so that you can get your next dose. So for the next four or five uh, months, I was going in with the chemo. I, let's see, I was feeling very, I still felt kind of nauseous now and then, but all I had to um, take was these cookies. They're called Anna's Ginger Cookies. And I'm telling you, just one of those cookies did the trick every single time. <laughs> I, I, I did not always have my own room. I, they have what they call the circle where everybody's crammed in one room and everyone just sits in a circle on their recliners and kind of looks at everybody else. Also, prior to this, um, the next five months, somewhere in there, I had surgery to have a port installed in my chest, which I hated from the moment that I woke up because it somehow felt like it was connected to my arm. I don't know why that is, but it is. And it's right above my my chest, uh, my heart on my left breast. I cannot lay on my chest. And not that I, you know, I'm a side sleeper anyways, but I would like to be able to lay on my stomach if I want to. And just the fact that I can't, you know, it's kind of irky. <laughs> it does hurt. I, I do have really big breasts, so it's not, you know, if I move a certain way or if I'm not wearing a bra, I could really feel that port pull. But I understand and I, you know, that it's important because if I don't want to get jabbed all over the place by, um, you know, people that cannot find my veins, then this is the better option. This is definitely the better option for that reason. So about five months into my chemotherapy, suddenly I felt like I had to burp and I had to pee. So I'm at the cancer clinic. I'm rolling um, carboplatin along on, you know, a big IV stand to the bathroom. I'm in the bathroom and I'm sitting on the toilet and I'm peeing and I'm, I'm feeling like I don't know, almost like a gastric-like feeling, like, and like I had to burp, but I couldn't, and I kept trying to make myself burp, but I couldn't, I, I just got up, and I thought, for some reason, I thought to myself, I wish I had brought my husband with me in here, because, you know, I was just really uncomfortable, and I just had this really, kind of like a panicky feeling, 
but I couldn't explain why other than I really felt like I had to burp and I couldn't. I go over to the sink to wash my hands and I have this, these like um, welts on my chest and my face is turning red. So by the time I get back to um, my room, my husband's like, you know, what's wrong? You're, you're, you're having a reaction. The nurse comes in, tries to hook me back up. And I said, I don't want any more. Stop it now. And apparently I was having a really bad reaction to the, the chemotherapy. Everybody rushes in and, you know, they ask to see my tongue. They take my blood pressure. They start giving me, um, IV Benadryl to reverse everything. And they stop the chemo. Then one of my favorite nurses comes in, and his name was Fred, explaining to me that usually around the sixth round, people react to the chemotherapy uh, really bad. They all have like an allergic reaction. And I wish somebody would have told me that because I wouldn't have went for that round. <laughs> Nobody told me that. It was awful. I, I did not like it at all. What it was, I th what I thought was a burp was actually my throat closing and just everything going haywire. The very next time I seen my doctor, that was it. And I told him I'm done. I, I do not, I will not, absolutely will not do the chemo anymore. You know, I was just ready to have them totally uh, schedule me for surgery to have this port out and, and that's the end of it. But he had said that I had been approved for the immunotherapy, which is a Keytruda, which was new. And I said, okay, fine. You know, he says it has side effects too, very much like the chemotherapy, but I could try that. And I looked at my husband and, and the doctor and, and, and he said it would only be a 30 minute drip that I would have to go through. And I'm just <laughs> praising the Lord inside 30 minutes as opposed to four or five hours of chemo. Amen. Yes, I, I, I will do the Katruda. That's what I decided. And that's what I've been on ever since. My doctor's very uh, amazed that I haven't lost my hair, which in my heart is my crown from the Lord. And that I've been doing so well. I mean, he tells me it's, I'm an exception. He's just very, very amazed. And I just want to say that for me, I, I know in my heart that, um, my healing this process and, and I'm still alive now because of God, Jesus Christ, by whose stripes I am healed. I'm doing what what I feel I'm supposed to do and continuing, I'm going to the clinic and still getting my treatment. My scans show that the tumor in my lung, um, the cancer, what I call pestilence has shrunk as really small. I'm, you know, praying for a total clear scan. <laughs> like I said, I'm still on the Katrina. I'm still going in. I feel that you know, the, I have my moments when I just, you know, I don't want to go in anymore and I just want to not go in, but I feel that the Lord must still want me to go in and be a light to others. 
I have been diagnosed with this lethal stage four lung cancer and metastasized to my brain. I'm healing more and more every day. Praise Jesus so I can be a light to others. You know, that's what I, I really believe. Know with all my heart that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and healing me every day. I hope that all of this is can help others and help you and or a loved one if you know a loved one that there is hope that Jesus Christ died for our sins um, for our sicknesses and by his stripes we are healed if we um, confess him with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord we know that he rose again so that we can have eternal life hope is in the Lord God bless doctors, maybe many who don't even realize that what they're fighting against is evil, because all evil, you know, all sickness is evil. We are attacked. We need to fight as Christians. We should do what, what we need to do to get better, and God leads us. I hope that you tune in to my next podcast. God bless you all.